So we're in our last uh, teaching tonight on the armor of God. And uh, I think it'd be good for us to go ahead and just to uh, look at some of the things we've already talked about just for a moment. In Ephesians, the sixth chapter in the 10th verse, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Amen. He tells us to put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles or the strategies of the devil. Then he tells us what we, what we do wrestle against. And of course, we don't wrestle against men. We don't wrestle against human beings. Is that right? And then he says in verse 13, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God. And so the emphasis there is not on just part of the armor, but make sure that you take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand. So there's a real strong emphasis on standing in His ability, being strong in Him, and not being strong in yourself. And then he goes on to talk about the different parts of the armor. He says, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. And remember that thy word, the word of God is truth. Amen. And so that Roman soldier, when he would have his loins girt about, he would have that armor that would hold the rest of his armor together. And so the word of God holds our lives together. Matter of fact, he says that He is upholding all things by the word of his power. And then having on the breastplate of righteousness or of right standing with God, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, talks about there being firm footed so that you can stand against the enemy. Above all, taking the shield of what? And with the shield of faith, the Bible says, there again, this is this word, you shall be able, you shall be able. So God has enabled us with his armor and his ability so that when the flaming missiles or the fiery darts of the wicked one come, we're able to quench those with the shield of faith. We talked about that in depth. And then taking the helmet of salvation, which we talked about last week, And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We're going to talk about this sword of the Spirit. This is really the only part of the armor that is offensive. The rest of the armor is pretty much defensive. But the sword of the Spirit is our offensive weapon. Amen. And so we see that Jesus dealt very effectively with Satan's temptations, with the sword of the Spirit, with the Word of God. When the enemy came and tempted him in the wilderness, he tempted him to to turn the stones into bread. Do you remember that? And here's what Jesus said. He said, it is written. It would be like pulling out a sword. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Uh, How many more times did Satan tempt him in that setting? It was two more times. And you'll notice if you take time to read it in Matthew 4 
and in Luke chapter 4, every time that Jesus was tempted with one of Satan's lies or deceptions, he always said, it is written. It is written. Do you know that it pays rich dividends to know what is written? It pays rich dividends to search in the word of God what God's word says about who you are, what you have in Christ, and get that word lodged deeply in your heart. Get that word down into your spirit. One way that you get God's word down into your spirit is by meditating on God's word. The, meditate, the word meditate means to chew, to think upon, to ponder, to mutter, or even to utter or talk to yourself scriptures from the word of God. That is a, a form of meditation. You know, in Joshua 1.8, I believe it is, he said, This book of the law, or the word of God, shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. I believe that the most successful people in the world today are Christians. Who meditate on God's word. Who speak God's word. Who think God's word. And are ready to use it as written against Satan when he comes to tempt our lives. And so we know that the temptation is coming. We know that the enemy prowls around as a roaring lion, seeking now whom he may devour. But if you'll get full of the word of God and full of the spirit of God, he will not be able to devour you. Because what's going to happen in a time of temptation is what's on the inside of you is going to begin to flow out of you and it will serve then as a sword to shred Satan in all of his deceptions and bring him to naught. Amen? So I want to encourage you not to forget the Word of God. Not to uh, just confess God's Word, but meditate on God's Word. Think about what you're saying. Even though maybe you've, you've spoken God's Word a thousand times or... 500 times or 100 times, take time to look at the Scripture. Take, let your eyes rest on the Word of God. The Word of God is filled with anointing. It's filled with power. And the more acquainted you become with the Word of God, the more real it becomes down on the inside of you, and you will not be defeated. Amen. Say it with me. I will not be. I will not be defeated. And so again, in every temptation that he faced, Jesus said, it is written. Now it's good, praise God, that your pastor knows what is written. It's good that some of the leaders in the church or the leaders in the church know what is written. But you've got to know what's written for yourself. We do not want to live on what Ed Dufresne years ago called borrowed faith. We want to cultivate our own faith and develop our own muscles, if you will, spiritually, so that we're strong and ready, praise God, to face any battle. Amen. And so Jesus then is our example 
in every spiritual combat with the devil. Now, let's move forward a little bit. Why does the Bible call the word of God the sword of the spirit? Why does the Bible call the word of God the sword of the spirit? Have you ever noticed in the word of God that the word spirit and anointing are oftentimes used synonymously synonymously or interchangeably? I thought about that a little bit earlier today. Uh, Spirit and anointing. Remember Jesus said in Luke 4.18, He said, The Spirit of the Lord is what? Upon me because what has He done? Because He has anointed me. So the Spirit, the Word, and the anointing go together beautifully. Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. That's the Spirit, right? And with power. That's anointing. And he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. The Bible says, and I want you to look at Isaiah chapter 10, and I want to notice in verse 27. Let our eyes rest on that tonight. Isaiah 10, 27. You must have the anointing when you're speaking God's word. And the bigger the word is in you, and the fuller you are of the spirit, the more anointed words will be when they come out of your mouth. Notice with me now in Isaiah 10, 27. Let's read that together. Ready, read. And it shall come to pass in that day. That his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed. What shall be destroyed? Yoke. What's a yoke? A yoke's a burden. A yoke could be disease. A yoke could be depression. A yoke could be a temptation that someone consistently yields to. But the Bible says that that yoke shall be destroyed. Why? Because of the anointing. Now, I want you to think about that. God's word is anointed. So when we're talking about the sword of the spirit, we could say the sword of the spirit or the sword of the anointing. Or the sword of the anointed word in your heart coming out of your mouth breaks bondages as Satan brings your way. Say it with me real strong. The yoke shall be destroyed. (coughs) Why? Because of what? Because of what? Because of the anointing. God's word is anointed. Guess what? You're anointed. And when you take the Spirit of God and the Word of God living on the inside of you, watch out, Satan. You are in for a bad day. And you get to a point where, you know, you do like, you do what Clint Eastwood. Are you talking to me? You want some of me? Amen. That's confidence. Confidence, not in yourself, but confidence in the greater one living on the inside of you. Okay, so what then, what is 
a rhema. What is a rhema? Ephesians 6.17 again says, The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The word, word there is the Greek word, rhema. It is a rhema. And so when Paul is saying, take the rhema of the Word of God, he's saying to take the sword of the Spirit. The Greek word for sword there is makaira. Okay? And so this weapon is a sword to the enemy. Now, the expression, the word word, you see the word word there? Which is the what? Say it with me like this. Which is the rhema of God? Say it again. One more time. The rhema of God. It's one of the most familiar Greek words in the New Testament. Now, let me describe to you what a rhema is. A rhema. A rhema is something that is spoken clearly. It is spoken in unmistakable terms. A rhema, when it comes out of your heart and out of your mouth, it is spoken sometimes vividly. It is spoken with undeniable clarity. And it is also spoken in unquestionable and certain definite terms. In the New Testament, the word rhema carries the idea of a word that's alive. The word rhema carries with it the idea of a quickened word. A word that the Spirit of God quickens to you. And He gives to you specifically for a specific situation at a specific time. It's a quickened word. It's a, we could say, it's almost like a word from the Lord. That the Holy Spirit, I mean, He just drops supernaturally into your heart and into your mind. And it becomes almost like that rhema jumps off the pages of the Bible into your spirit and something happens on the inside of you and it's like it almost imparts a special power to the believer. I mean, when you've got a rhema word, when it's alive in you and when it's quickened by the Holy Spirit, when it comes out of your mouth, listen, you're speaking faith-filled words with the voice of Jesus. Woo, glory to God. Man, a quickened word. These rhemas, how many have ever had a rhema before? So you know what I'm talking about. These rhemas are so powerful that when the Holy Spirit quickens such a word or Bible verse in a believer's heart or in a believer's mind, he knows that he has undoubtedly heard from the Lord. I mean, you just know that you know that you know this is what you're supposed to say. This is what you're supposed to do. We all face specific temptations. 
Not all of us face the same circumstances and the same temptations. But I got good news for you. God's got a rhema word for whatever you're facing. God's got a rhema word that'll get you through to the other side. God's got a rhema word quickened by the Holy Spirit that will cause you to triumph over what hell is presenting to you. God give us a rhema word. Give us a rhema word. A quickened word. God drops rhema words in preachers. A quickened word that they're to deliver. That they're to to minister. God drops rhema words in, in, in parents. Employees. Employers. Quickens them. I'm telling you. One rhema word from heaven. Can absolutely turn your life around. And change your circumstances. Lord. Give us more rhemas. Amen. All right. So now, Jesus himself referred to this quickening word. I want you to uh, look at John chapter 14. And let's just work with this for a few minutes tonight. John 14 and verse 26. And by the way, we have nine CDs as a personal gift from the church to you. Teaching on the Holy Spirit that Brenda and I did last year in preparation for Pentecost. And those are in the bookstore Sunday, so you can pick those up. Make sure that you get those about the Holy Spirit. Now, if you look at John chapter 14, John chapter 15, and John chapter 16, you're going to see a lot about the Holy Spirit there. Let's notice something that Jesus said about this this quickening word of the Holy Spirit. Okay, you ready? Let's read it together. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Now be honest with me. How many have had that happen to you? How many of you had it happen to you time and time and time again? Now, let's break this down just a little bit. He says, the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, He's our teacher. He's going to teach us all things. And but then he'll, he'll bring things to us. He'll quicken things to us. And He'll bring it to your remembrance. I believe the way the Holy Spirit brings things to our remembrance is by the Word that we've worked with and put in our heart. It's difficult for him to bring things to our remembrance that we haven't studied. That we haven't meditated upon. But you're just going down life's pathway and all of a sudden, bloop, on the inside. The Holy Spirit brings a rhema word to your remembrance and leads you and guides you. Son, this is what I want you to do in this situation. This is what I want you to say. This is how I want you to contest with that temptation that you're facing. The Holy Spirit will bring thing your, to, all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said to you. And so in the Spirit of grace and the Spirit of God, when He drops a word into our hearts, He just supernaturally causes the promises of God just to bubble up and to be fruitful to our minds. That's a powerful thing.
You know, the Spirit of God speaks to us in remarkable ways. He will speak to us what is clearly spoken. When the Holy Spirit quickens you a rhema word, it will absolutely be unquestionable. It will be certain and it will be definite to where you know that you know you've heard from heaven. You've heard from heaven and you've got a word from him. And now you're able to move forward in the plan of God. So therefore, a rhema then is a specific word which the Spirit of God quickens to my heart and your heart and mind at a specific time for a special purpose. So when Paul says, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, he's referring to the Holy Spirit's ability to make a word vividly come alive in your heart. Hallelujah! At a moment of need. Oh, how much do we need the Word? Oh, how much we need the Holy Ghost. Man, if we just stop leaning to our noodle, stop leaning to our own understanding, and start leaning on this Word, and leaning on the Holy Spirit's help, I believe, glory to God, we'll sail through anything we face. We won't have to reach dead ends. Amen? We'll make it through. Look at your neighbor and say, we're making it through. Hallelujah. <clears throat> and so when, that, when those verses of Scripture just pop out of the pages of the Bible, it's freely given. It's a word spoken just for you in your particular salvation. Here's also what happens is when it's alive in you, it becomes very sharp, a very sharp blade or weapon to use against Satan. It becomes very accurate. It becomes very, very clear to him that you know that your God is with you. That you know that your God is for you. That you know that God has spoken to you. And there ain't no way we're going under. We're going over. Amen? Now, I brought a book with me tonight that I really, uh, I really like. It's a book by uh, Bob Yandian. Bob Yandian pastored Grace Fellowship for longer, I think, than Brenda and I have been pastoring here. Grace Fellowship's a great church down in Tulsa, Oklahoma. His son now is, is the senior pastor but Bob wrote a book which you really could use as a manual in any theological seminary, in any Bible school, on the book of Ephesians. And the, the name of it is Ephesians, the Maturing of the Saints. And so I want to I read something to you. He said about the different types of swords that they used back in the days when this was written. That when when armies and enemies would, would come against the Romans, the kind of swords they used. But then we're going to look at the kind of sword, which is the sword of the Spirit, the Machaira, that the Romans use. It's powerful truth. So uh, let me go ahead and, and just kind of summarize what he's saying here. He said, to understand what a Machaira was, and that's the sword of the Spirit, we need to look at some other swords in the ancient world. He said, the enemies who came against Roman used a sword called, and I don't really know how to pronounce it, it's, it sounds like Ramphaya. 
And he said it was a, it was a very large sword. And it was very wide and very long. They were so large that men had to carry them across their shoulder. And that sometimes it, it took two men to carry this sword. And it would take a couple of men to swing it. And it was so heavy that they'd get off balance. And so, you know, they may take a few people out with one swipe, but then they'd have to recover themselves and get back up and lift it up again. So it, it, really, it really wasn't a very effective sword because they got out of balance with it. Now, the next sword that Bob talks about was the Zephos. It's a Z-E-P-H-O-S. And the Zephos sword only had one sharp point. The edges were not sharp. It would, it would be kind of like uh, good for lunging and stabbing only. It just had one sharp point. And of course, you know, if, if someone ducked out of the way, they had to pull back and strike again. Okay. Now the third sword was, and I can't even pronounce it, no, it was the Dolan, D-O-L-A-N. And this was the kind of sword that was usually hidden in a cane. A lot of dignitaries and, and, and noblemen would use this. And so if anyone would, would try to attack, it could quickly be pulled out of the, the cane and used, but not very effective for major warfare. He says, but... The word used in the Greek is makaira. Everyone say makaira. He said it was a Roman sword. He said it was one of the greatest inventions of the ancient world. It was different from any other sword that produced. It was 18 inches long, very short. Not only did it have a sharp point, but both sides of the blade were sharp. Both sides of the blades were sharp. It never left you off balance. It was easy to maneuver. In fact, he said, it is said that the enemies used to laugh as the Romans would come up the hill with these short little swords, kind of like the devil tries to intimidate us. They had these short little swords in their hands and, you know, it'd be like, Goliath was mocking David and mocking the children of Israel. What is this? But the laugh, last laugh, Bob says, was on them. Because they were all lying dead on the side of the hills as the Romans walked away. Because, listen, no matter which way the adversary went, you could get him. Because it did have a sharp point, but it also had two sharp edges. And it was very easy to handle. So he'd try to jump out of the way and you'd get him with the other side of the sword. Bob says this. This is so good. He says, the word of God is called the sword or the machaira of the spirit. It's not a big sword that leaves you off balance. How many of you know when you're in the word and you've got the Holy Spirit... When the Word and the Spirit are agreeing together and you're flowing in that, you're going to live a balanced life. You're going to live a balanced life.
He also said, it's not something that has just one good point. Although a lot of ministers think so. How many of you know, when you look into the Word of God, it's a perfect law of liberty. And the Bible talks about the unsearchable riches of Christ. You can find something filled with power and filled with revelation 365 days a year. One good point. Are you kidding me? Even the word salvation is an all-inclusive word. But many people have minimized salvation to being saved from sin only. And that is the most important thing. But salvation includes more than being saved from sin. It includes healing for your body. It includes prosperity for your soul. It includes wellness, wholeness, soundness in every area of your life. And so Bob says this, this Machaira doesn't leave you off balance and it doesn't just have one good point. Then he said, it also, it is not ornamental. It is not just beautiful literature to be left sitting on a table. Come on. Now, when I grew up, and I thank God for my heritage, I thank God for my parents, I honor my parents, and, you know, they only walked in the light they had, and you can only walk in the light you have. But the only thing that looked like the Word of God was about this big. And it was on the coffee table. And really, the only person that could understand it anyway was the person standing behind the pulpit, so why read it? It was kind of ornamental, it was kind of religious, if you will. And so this Machaira, it's beautiful. It converts the soul. It's better than gold, but it's not to be left sitting on a table. Come on, somebody. You know, God's, God's word is um, it's likened to medicine, isn't it? Um, Let's just look at Proverbs 4 before we finish that. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 22. And uh, let me pump a little faith into you. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, it says, My son, admire my word sitting on the coffee table. (laughs) You know, my son, attend. Now, what does the word attend mean? Give it attention. Okay? Attend. Attend to, to, to my words. That's what a, a nurse does when, when someone's in the hospital. They give attention. They're undivided attention. If a person's in ICU, they give that person their undivided attention. Same thought here. My son, give attention to my words. Incline thine ear to my saints. You cannot do that by just gazing at a book on a coffee table. Notice in the next verse, verse 21. Let them not depart from before. Oh, we pray that the word of God will not depart from before Pastor Mark's eyes. Oh, God, anoint Pastor Tom. Help him, Lord Jesus. Bring us a great word. He's going to bring us a great word. And the minister should be bringing a great word. But it's not just the ministers that should not be letting the word of God depart from before thine eyes. God's word is a revelation for everyone. 
And so the word then is keep this word in the midst of your heart. Verse 22. For they, my words, are what? My words are life unto those that read them Sunday morning. Uh Uh-uh. There is a responsibility for preacher and everyone alike to find this word, to open this word, to meditate in this word. For they, my words, they're life to those that find them. This is our lifeline. Woo, glory. I just preached myself happy. Hallelujah. If any area of death shows up in your life, find the word. It promises you life. It promises life to your pancreas, life to your finances, life to your marriage. Find the word. Stay in the word. Don't let it depart from your eyes. Anything you're facing, it's in the word. I said it's in the word. Find it. Find it. You find it. You get a concordance. You become a student of the word. Amen. Amen. For they are life unto those that find them. And what? Health to what? To the main areas of your life. No. It's health to every part of your flesh. That means your fingertips. That means your toe. That means your ticker. That means your head. Did you know that the word health there is medicine? God's word is medicine to your flesh. It doesn't leave you off balance. It doesn't just have one good point. It's a oddity to me. I guess that would be a good word. It's an oddity to me how that people can sit in church and look bored. I'm not talking about anybody tonight. Because all, all this really is, is me watering what you've already should be putting in your heart already. I can't tell you the number of times I know Pastor Tom will attest to the same thing. The number of times in the foyer or wherever we are at in the sanctuary, people have come to me and say, man, I was reading the same thing this week. That's confirmation to me that that's what I need to hear. You know what that does a preacher? That does a preacher good. Because you know what that means? Is the people that are listening are not just hearers, but they're studiers. And they're doers. And that's why he says, study to show yourself approved. Okay. So it's not ornamental. It's not just beautiful literature to be left sitting on a table. Now, I like this. The Word of God does not have hidden meanings. The wisdom of God is not hidden from us. The wisdom of God is hidden for us. Did you get that? God's not hiding His truth from us. Amen? The Word of God is hidden 
for us. And as we get in there and as we dig around, wow. Oh, the things he'll show us. No, the Word of God doesn't have hidden meetings. It is clear. But the Word of God is called the Machaira. <laughs> I love how Bob says this. He says, no matter which way the devil jumps, you can get him with it. <laughs> no matter which way the devil jumps, you can get him with it. That reminds me, Bob Yandian reminds me of a, of a meeting we had way back in the early 80s over... Uh, at Marina High School when we leased that high school for a number of years. And we had all these ministers in from Oklahoma. We had Pastor Dick Burnell in and Pastor Tom Tiemens and all these workshops and just a great meeting set and established. And Pastor Bob was to preach twice. And, you know, it was a real honor to have Pastor Bob there uh, because we looked up to Pastor Bob Yandian. Well, there happened to be a power outage at the facility we were in. And it was like, what are we going to do? You know, we can't have church in a dark building. We can't have, you know, we can't have workshops in dark classrooms. What are we going to do? It was a dilemma. You know, and I'm a new pastor and I'm wanting to, hate to say it, impress everyone and, (laughs) you know, look good. And, you know, I've got all these guys in. I had... Pastor Phil Godot in from Sacramento, you know, hey, Dr. Godot, you, you know, he's, he's quite a guy. <laughs> and, uh, and so the enemy, you know, just with glee was just, ah, you're going to <laughs> gonna have to close the meeting down. No, thank God our swords were sharp and our minds were quick. And you know what? When you get backed up against the wall, it doesn't mean that there's not a, not a way. It just means there's another way. God always has another way. I mean, one door may close, but God's always got another way. The wisdom of God is always there. You just got to find it and look for it and be listening. Well, here's what happened. Pastor Tom remembers this and Kimberly. Well, we did. Well, here it is in the middle of January, 70 degrees outside. And so what we did is we moved the classroom right outside. We rented an, a facility that we had been in for another uh, for a, a few more years before that, and we used that for one night for Bobby Ann, and we could only get it one night. So what do I do? Stay up all night and worry? No, I took Bobby Ann to the city and had uh, fried shrimp. <laughs> but here's what happened when we came back. Phil Godot, like a general in the Lord's army, got everybody together and said, here's what we're going to do. Do this, do this, do that, do that, do this. They moved the chairs out of the sanctuary, and on the front lawn of Marina High School, we had one of the best meetings we have ever had in the history of Heart of the Bay Christian Center. It was so awesome. It was so awesome. I mean, they had the, you probably had something to do with the sound system, right? (laughs) A boom box up there. Somebody drove by and got saved. What's going on here? I'm telling you, where there's a will, there's a way. And his name is Jesus. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He's got a rhema for you. He's got a way where there seems no way. Just stay faithful to the word. Find it. Get in it. Stay in it. And let God be God. I don't know why I told you that story. I guess because of Bob Yandian. 
And the word was rich, I'm telling you. We, the thing was this, is we were not about to be cheated out of the word. We were not about to be cheated about hearing from one of the leading teachers in the land in that day, in that hour. And so we, how many of you were there that night? Wow, look at there. That was powerful. Awesome. And so the word of God is called the Makaira. No matter what the devil does, no matter how he jumps, you can get him with it. Jesus said it is written, and that's what we do too. No matter which way the enemy goes, we can get him with the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit is the rhema of God. The sword is not just the Bible. You don't pick up the Bible and throw it at the devil. You quote the word of God to him. You know, he shouldn't be the one doing all the talking. Are you feeling this? He shouldn't be the one just doing all the talking. Belittling and putting down, talking all this trash, telling what he's going to do. You ain't going to be able to pay your bills. You're going to die young. You need to shut that turkey up, pull the sword of the spirit out, and just begin to speak what God's word says. It is written, devil, no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. It is written, devil, greater is, come on, you want some of that? Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. It is written, my God supplies all my need. Oh, yeah, but you stumbled over this a thousand times, a million times. It is written, devil, my God's delivered me from the power of darkness. And he's translated me into the kingdom of his dear son. It pays to know what is written. And then speak what is written. It is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Let's all stand up. Amen. Let's get our swords out for a moment tonight, shall we? (laughs) Thank God we're not off balance. Let's raise up our hands and let's all raise up our voice. Let's make some good confessions. You know, my son James called me today from Branson. He said, Dad, you know, we're going to be talking about drugs tonight. And I want to ask your permission to give your testimony. And then he asked me several questions about the things that I did to get delivered and stay delivered and so forth. And I told him a few things and he's going to share some of those things. But as I think about it, one of the key ingredients for, for, how can I say it, for ongoing victory in my life was speaking God's Word. Speaking it regularly, even when He didn't feel like speaking it, even when I didn't feel a a specific anointing to, to speak it, I spoke it anyway. What was I doing? I was schooling myself into faith. And then when I needed it, it was there. All right? And when you need it, it'll be there too. Let's say this together with me. I am complete in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am redeemed from the curse of the law. Poverty, sickness, and spiritual death have no power over me. I have been redeemed from all disease and from all lack. I am a child of God. I'm an heir of God and I am a joint heir with Jesus Christ. 
I am. I have been delivered from the powers of darkness. And I am now in God's kingdom. I'm part of the body of Christ. And Satan has no power over me. For I have been seated in heavenly places. I've been lifted up far above all powers of hell. And all things are under my feet. I am blessed. All spiritual blessings in heavenly places are mine. In Christ Jesus. I don't have any fear in my life. God didn't give me a spirit of fear. Fear? I take the sword. And I say, get out of here. In the name of Jesus. I have a spirit of power. And love. And of a sound mind. This day. I don't have a care. I am carefree. I'm anxiety free. I am fear free. And I am faith filled. No weapon formed against me. Is going to prosper. No evil is going to befall me. Neither shall any plague come nigh my dwelling. For God has given his angels. Special charge over me. For I am his special treasure. Thank you Lord. Let's raise both hands and just thank him for it. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Yes, yes, yes. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. And I will establish it again and again and again and again in my heart. For I know that faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Father, pray this from the heavenly Father. I'm opened for a rhema word. At any time and any place, by your Spirit and through your Word, may I be quickened with a rhema from heaven. In Jesus' name.